So Money episode 1208, Crypto Week Part 1, The Basics of Bitcoin and Blockchain. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It is here. We have arrived. The time has come. We are doing this. Crypto week. Are you ready? I warned you, right? I told you this was going to come and I produced four episodes for us. Four very, I find, informative thoughtful and important episodes. I know a lot of the attention right now on cryptocurrency is on, you know, the hot investment of the day, Elon Musk's tweets. I'm over that. I want to talk about what is this world that we are living in that commands the need for something so technologically advanced? What are the implications of crypto? How is this maybe going to close wealth gaps? I want to talk about the deep stuff. That's why I have this podcast. I know that you're going to be along for the ride. We're going to dive deep into this cryptic world of Bitcoin and blockchain this week, NFTs and much more. I have some fantastic guests lined up for us who are knee deep in this space, but at the same time, have a very, what I find to be thoughtful, measured and insightful approach to explaining this, I don't know, what do you call it? Phenomenon. We will have four dedicated episodes. I couldn't squeeze it all into just three. I hope you'll stick around for all of them. And I strongly encourage that you listen in chronological order because we're going to be layering on the knowledge as we go. My goal, though, is that by this weekend, if you stick with us, we'll all be having very thoughtful conversations about crypto with a friend over brunch or, you know, at a backyard barbecue, maybe even we'll have a better handle on how to invest if that is something that we discover this week that we want to participate in. We want to participate in cryptocurrency. It's not for everybody. Along the way, very important, please send me your questions for Friday. We're going to still have a dedicated Ask Farnoosh crypto edition at the end of the week. And I'm going to have my friend who is a certified financial planner, Hillary Hendershot, join us to talk about her approach, the advice she's giving clients, how to invest wisely in this space. Remember, you can direct message me on Instagram. You can email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And you can also go to the website, somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your thoughts there. We begin today with our foundation for Crypto Week, a conversation with two highly knowledgeable guests. They're going to provide us with the basics. What is the history of crypto? What is it? What is the blockchain? Why should we care, right? A lot of you want to know this. My guests are Kiana Daniel, author of Cryptocurrency Investing for Dummies. She's also the CEO of Invest Diva, an award-winning internationally recognized personal investing and wealth management expert. And my colleague is also joining us, John Peterbau, who is the editorial director for Next Advisor, a personal finance publication in partnership with Time Magazine. John has more than 10 years of experience leading editorial teams in personal finance, consumer consumer advocacy, and local news. He has written extensively about cryptocurrency for Next Advisor. Here we go. Kiana Danielle and John Puderbaugh, welcome to So Money, our inaugural episode 
on Crypto for Crypto Week. Honored to have you. Thank you so much for having us. Pleasure's mine. Yes. I thought you two were the real ideal guests to help kick us off. I, I really appreciate your individual approaches to this topic, both researched, measured, and calm. Calm is the key word because there is so much hype in this space, as we know. It's something that I feel has become quite polarizing as a result. You're either super interested in cryptocurrency or you're really indifferent, or maybe like me, like there was a period of time where you were appalled by the entire idea of it, but you've come around because you realize it's not going anywhere. Uh, So this episode, I'm really excited. It's going to help kick us off for the entire week of Crypto Week on So Money to set the groundwork and the foundation for just understanding the basics. What is cryptocurrency? What is the blockchain? How does it work? And then later in the week, listeners, we're going to explore what I think is interesting, which is, you know, the implications and the impact of crypto on the environment, on the economies around the globe, on technology, on commerce. And then Friday, if you've got questions, send them in because we're going to answer your crypto questions on Friday. So again, welcome to the show, you two. Let's just go back in time and understand the history. Kiana, you're an expert on this. You've written the the ultimate book, Cryptocurrency Investing for Dummies. I was reading online an excerpt from your book where you talked about the beginnings of Bitcoin and Bitcoin, as we know, the first ever cryptocurrency. It was uh, invented in 2008, or I should say released. The idea of Bitcoin was released in 2008 by an anonymous entity, Satoshi Nakamoto. And he described it then as purely peer-to-peer, a purely peer-to-peer version of electronic money. So maybe you could help us understand uh, what is Bitcoin? What is the blockchain? Right. So that is a very in-depth question. If I wanted to actually explain what the blockchain is, there are books about it that are like 300 pages to explain how blockchain technology works. But simply put, blockchain is a ledger and is a decentralized ledger that we're therefore we call the peer-to-peer, which means there is no authority or one entity that is just monitoring it and is in charge of it like a bank or a government. It is the people on the blockchain who are trying to resolve this mathematical equation and as a result, getting rewarded with this thing called Bitcoin. I always like Mm -hmm. to give this very simple example uh, as Bitcoin is just a byproduct of blockchain Bitcoin to blockchain is like email to the internet. There are so many things you can do to the, with the internet. You can go on, you can go on the internet. You can uh, actually record this podcast. You can watch movies. You can do all these things, but you can also send an email. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin is like that. There are so many things you can do with blockchain technology. And uh, from what I'm understanding, the Satoshi Nakamoto entity released Bitcoin at, to just showcase the power of blockchain and say, you know what, this is one of the products and you can use blockchain for other things as well. And Bitcoin is one of them. I see. So blockchain is really the infrastructure compared to what we currently depend on, which is the monetary, our monetary system, really the centralization of that is, is the federal reserve. It's, you know, that is our entity, our physical human run engine that manages our, our cash flow in this country. Uh, We'll get into in in a minute, kind of the why behind this, like, why do we need this? But I think what's so annoying about cryptocurrency is that it is cryptic. On the one hand, we want a cryptocurrency because we want transparency. We want the blockchain to be this peer-to-peer-led, decentralized system. 
which sounds wonderful in a euphoric world, but it is cryptic in that, for example, the person who released Bitcoin is anonymous. Why have that be part of the narrative? Why does Satoshi Nakamoto want to be anonymous? Why Satoshi Nakamoto is anonymous, we don't know. He could be a Russian spy or a Chinese spy. <laughs> that is yet to be determined. But Bitcoin's blockchain itself is actually not anonymous. So there is this myth around, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to send Bitcoins to wherever I want and nobody's going to know. Nope. You can actually, if you have a powerful enough computer, you can download the whole blockchain. All the transactions are actually incredibly transparent. And therefore, because everybody has access to it, everybody is kind of the trustee of the blockchain, of this blockchain. Um, and therefore, it's actually not anonymous. There are blockchain technologies and other cryptocurrencies that are optimized for being anonymous like Monero, but Bitcoin is actually not that. And I don't know if Satoshi Nakamoto is a good person or a bad person, but the fact that they're anonymous, I actually like it because yeah. they're not actually controlling it. So why do we need this? Many of my listeners want to know, they ask this many times when I ask them on Instagram, what do you want to know about crypto? They said, why should I care? <laughs> and maybe to help them understand this, and I, I lean on you too, is to go back in time again, back to 2008, which was, let's remember, that was the height of the financial crisis. What do you believe prompted the development of Bitcoin at that time? What was the problem that it was trying to solve? We've already talked about, touched on a little bit, this idea of decentralization, transparency, which are, I would say, two qualities that we don't have currently. But what are the benefits? 2008 is the time that it came out. And I actually, so let me tell you a story that you may actually relate to which actually goes beyond 2008. It goes to 1979, the Iranian revolution. Mm -hmm. so, we're both Iranian listeners. We, Kiana, you actually lived in Iran for many years. You were born there. Yes, I was born and raised in Iran to a Jewish family. So my dad, prior to the revolution, he was a CEO of a very successful company and he had a lot of assets with the Iranian government and the banks and, you know, gold and whatever it was. And after the revolution happened, the new Iranian regime took over all of his assets and froze his bank accounts. And because they had the authority, everything was in their power. Mm -hmm. And as I was learning about blockchain and Bitcoin, and I was like, oh my God, this is like, I can literally have all of my Bitcoin, this tiny little wallet that nobody can ha have access to and nobody can actually seize it. If my dad had even a fraction of his assets in cryptocurrency back then, if it existed, we, he didn't have to start over. I didn't have to like be born in this chaos and no money and all the things. So to me, that is the power of cryptocurrency that really spoke to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like a lot of people have their own reasons. There are inflationary reasons, of course, that we can get into. I think John can get into that as well. But for me, that is the biggest reason that I'm like, you know what? I'm always going to have cryptocurrency as a part of my portfolio. Yeah, I love that story. Kiana told she told me in a previous conversation, and I think as a as a person living in the U.S., it, that sort of turned a light bulb on for me to realize mm -hmm. in another country, in another time and place where things are much less stable, uh, it gives you a another avenue to protect yourself. I, it was really mm -hmm. an interesting story to learn for me. 
Yeah, I can totally understand that. And I've also read that what Bitcoin does, or I should say cryptocurrency, the blockchain provides that our current system does not, is an opportunity to create more equity in the financial markets, leveling the playing field, so to speak, as far as payments and as far as payments go, as far as transactions go, access to cash, or I should say money. Uh, What is cash anymore? Uh, But John, you've done so much reporting on, on this space. What are some of the other attributes or benefits that the insiders are touting? There's so many things different people like about it. And this is what's been really interesting to try and sort through it. So I kind of want to steer that in a slightly different direction where it's like, you know, there's all this potential. It's the you know decentralized finance, it's P2P, it's the future of currency, all these things. One of the things I just find so interesting though is, you know, most people don't really understand it or know what it is or know why they should use it or have it or buy it. Is it an investment? Do you spend money with it? Nobody really knows. And so I think for all of these reasons that people love it, you know, and you can find people who really love it, you know, it's not hard, but it, it, I can't yet get to that, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do with our coverage. What we're trying to do is answer the question for sort of retirement minded investors. Why should this be something I buy, have, understand? How do I use it? And so I think rather than sort of explain why it's good in all these different ways, I think the thing I'm trying to figure out is, you know, what has to happen to make it even accessible, understandable, and give people a reason to use it or buy it or or know what they're supposed to do with it even. So curious, uh, when you are asking these questions, do you feel like you're getting good answers? Or is it sort of more skewed towards all the hype and hoopla and no one's really stopping to think about critically what the implications are, how to really be thoughtful about this as opposed to gamble in this market space, which seems like what a lot of people are doing. I think a lot of smart people are thinking a lot about how it fits, you know, and I think Kiana alluded to it. We've heard repeatedly from experts who are saying crypto is interesting, but, you know, one person described it as a flash in the pan. Blockchain is the real jewel of cryptocurrency. Blockchain is the thing that will change everything. And so we've approached it probably more narrowly in terms of, you know, we are thinking about retirement-minded investors. What Mm -hmm. should you have in place before you would buy crypto or do anything with crypto? And then if you are in that place, how should you think about it? How much of it should you put into your portfolio? Things like that. The other thing I keep hearing is, we keep hearing is, oh, blockchain. Blockchain is transformative technology. It's going to change everything. I'm getting closer to that explanation of how exactly it's going to change everything. Uh, But, you know, like, uh, major banks have blockchain divisions. They have people leading research departments to understand how blockchain can change their systems and their processes to become more efficient, uh, safer, you know, decentralized so that it's not, you know, on a server in one place or run by one person. So I think we're just really looking at it in those two ways. You're an investor. What should you know? Does it belong in the portfolio? And then also we keep hearing blockchain is the real thing that you should be paying attention to no matter what happens with crypto. So right. we're also trying to figure out how that exactly changes things for people. And full disclosure, I just invested my first crypto-related investment that I know of, because who knows, maybe there's some crypto-related assets in some of the ETFs I hold, but that I proactively purchased was this, and I'll put it on the website, and this is not a recommendation. I'm not allowed to make recommendations on investments, but for full transparency, I, you know, having researched this space and learned and listened to people like you, I'm like, yeah, blockchain seems to be like the thing that's not going to go away, because as Kiana explained, that is, like, the internet's not going to go away. You know, the the infrastructure, uh, the planet, right, in which all these cryptocurrencies exist, Seems like it has a lot of attributes. I can I appreciate the merits of it. And so I invested in an ETF that invests in companies that 
again, invest in crypt- in the blockchain. And it includes companies like PayPal, um, where they're maybe developing some things within their company to participate more in blockchain and things like that. And so I, that was my sort of educated bet. Again, a gamble, but it's an ETF and I put a little bit of money in it and I'm just going to ride it out for a decade or so and, and see how I, how I do. And it, for me, it's just more of a you know, I wanted to participate in this, but do it thoughtfully. We'll get to more of what your uh, experts are telling you, John, in terms of retirement portfolios. But you've also done some work looking at the implications of this. And Bitcoin and blockchain are not perfect. The system is vulnerable to breakdowns, to crime, to fraud, just like our current system, because after all, human beings are behind it. (laughs) I was listening to the New York Times uh, podcast, and they explained it like, don't, think that just because this is different from what we have currently, that it's immune to crime and fraud. Because at the end of the day, Bitcoin or you know blockchain, it is a thing. It may be virtual, but it's still a thing that has that needs humans behind it for it to work. And humans, as we know, we're, we're human. So we do some bad deeds sometimes. For the whole of 2020, losses in the crypto sector through fraud and crime topped $1.9 billion. Now, that is down from the previous year because infrastructure is improving. There's a boost in security systems across the landscape. But, John, what do you think are some of the problems or issues with the blockchain? And Kiana, curious to get your take on this, too, and the problems with crypto as it exists today. What are the areas that still need improvement? I've been thinking a lot about you know what holds it back, what stops it from becoming the next uh, monetary system, the currency of the future, as you hear people talking about it. I actually think, you know, this isn't a technical answer. I think the biggest thing that's holding it back is just it ad- adoption, slow adoption by institutions, everyday consumers, you know, compared to the stock market, it's just so new, it's so untested, it makes it very unpredictable, very risky. People don't know whether it's a currency or an investment. It's kind of maybe a little of both, depending on who and where you ask, you know, things like that. So for many people, I think what holds it back is they just, they don't know what it is, how it's supposed to work, what they're supposed to do with it. They're curious. It's a buzzy news story. So they're very interested. They're following it. But until more people and businesses have reason to see the benefits of buying it and using it, I'm just not sure there's any chance of it taking over as a primary or even a secondary monetary system. So I think that's the thing that holds it back more than any of these technical things, uh, to my view. The irony being that we still need the participation and the backing of things like the SEC, the government, you know, all of our centralized infrastructures. Kiana, talk about, is there a world where we could live in hybrid, you know, with the blockchain and maybe even the central bank? I, I like the, I like anything hybrid, you know, even when like with robo advisors, I'm like, do they have a financial advisor on staff just in case I need to talk to a human being and not a bot? So it's really comes down to the level of comfort and change is always scary for everybody. We are humans, like we, we don't like change. So ideally, actually, I would prefer for the SEC or the Fed not to get involved. But at the same time, yes, I mean, I would prefer to purchase my Bitcoin or my crypto assets from an exchange that is regulated by the SEC because, yeah, like I don't want, I, I don't know, we don't know how to verify. That's the problem. We like filters, like we have access to all this information on the, on the web, but like, who are we to say that this exchange is better than the other one? And then, yes, so when an entity comes in, we are more likely to actually adopt to it. And, and adoption is a big deal for 
a lot of the cryptocurrencies. Now, with Bitcoin, I actually would say the adoption is already there. And Mm -hmm. for adoption, in fact, that majority of participants in the cryptocurrency industry think and believe that Bitcoin is a value asset. It is not optimized as a cryptocurrency. As you mentioned, it has a lot of problems. Even blockchain, Bitcoin's blockchain itself can be attacked. And we have all these different kinds of attacks that if a massive entity wants to attack it and scam everybody, they can. But it's the, the likelihood of that is actually very, very low. Bitcoin itself is a value asset because of the um, number of it being, um, there's a certain number. Yeah, finite. So unlike the U.S. dollar, unlike anything, unlike even gold, you know exactly how many Bitcoins are going to be there ever. And majority majority of it is already mined. So the participation has already been done. Out of 21 million Bitcoins, I believe it's 18 million of it is already uh, mined. So it's it's already done. The supply and Mm -hmm. demand is there. And there is enough people, in my opinion, believing enough in Bitcoin that are just holding onto their Bitcoin probably forever that it's going to give its value. So to top that off to the reason why I believe Bitcoin is something that people who want to have a separate kind of uh, allocation in the portfolio, um, they might want to consider it. Also, just consider this. If you buy gold, you might want to consider Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. There are so many types of crypto too, right? We've talked about Bitcoin, but there's also Ethereum, Dogecoin, Ripple. How do you tell them apart? There's so many. Right. So do you know how you talked about, okay, blockchain is a thing. Like I want to be impo- exposed to the blockchain and companies that invest in blockchain because blockchain is the thing and cryptocurrency is just like, a, we don't know what about it. I How I actually look at it is like how you buy shares of companies. So Tesla is the thing. Tesla cars are the tangible things. But you purchase Tesla stocks because they are a part of that company. And it gives you access to be owners of that technology, of the NVIDIA technology, of the Google technology, of the Amazon technology. So to me, investing in a cryptocurrency, a byproduct of a blockchain that is actually changing the world and helping us living better and monetize better and uh, like supply chain, track the supply chain better and track our healthcare system better, then a way to invest in that infrastructure, if the company that is uh, kind of building that infrastructure is not public, then cryptocurrency, the byproduct of that blockchain could be what exposed you to that blockchain. Mm -hmm. Did I answer your question? I went completely. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So think of these cryptocurrencies as publicly traded companies, essentially, where they are, uh, you have to really understand what their use case is, or in a case with a company, sort of what the company mission is and how it's being run. And you have to make predictions about where it's going and then maybe invest in that company and ride that wave, similar to these currencies. Would you compare it to other kinds of currency, like you can invest in the yuan, you can invest in the euro, you can invest in the U.S. dollar, and can you're betting on the country. You're betting right. on that country doing well when exactly. you're investing. So, actually, my background is foreign exchange trading. So, cryptocurrency is actually a hybrid, and I know you like the word hybrid. It's a hybrid <laughs> between stocks and crypt and, and and currency, in my opinion, because 
so not only you can purchase cryptocurrencies and just store them in your wallet, you can actually trade them exactly like you do with foreign exchange trading against each other. You can trade Bitcoin for Ethereum, you can trade Ethereum for Ripple and all of these things. So that is a completely different thing because foreign exchange trading is not investing, is not retirement planning, is basically gambling. And so is cryptocurrency trading, in my opinion. And that is something that I actually advise people not to do. I, uh, I don't advise, I, I educate people not to do. And uh, personally, I invest in cryptocurrencies as an investment, as a byproduct of the blockchain technology. Um, but you can go both ways. And that's why the hype and FOMO in cryptocurrency is so high, because it can go both ways. So much FOMO. Ooh, all right. Let, we have a few more questions I'm hoping to tackle. And whatever we don't get to, we have a whole week to discuss with other guests. So don't feel like you have to give me, um, you know, all, all the all the answers here. But really, let's touch on Bitcoin mining because John brought that up earlier. This is controversial. It's the process by which Bitcoins are released into circulation. And a lot of people are concerned about the environmental impact of this. How does mining work? And I just wonder, like, if it's so detrimental to our earth, why are we even talking about this anymore? And how is it sustainable? We know Elon Musk recently changed his tune on this, saying, you know, he's going to you can buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. Actually, no, because he, he wants to you know do good for the world, environmentally speaking. So it is controversial. But what just can someone explain Bitcoin mining? Maybe, John, do you want to take this one? I'll give it a try. All right. So uh, to to our research and everything we've heard. So basically like very smart people create what are essentially these supercomputers to mine new Bitcoin, which is organized into blocks that have a unique code. And so they set these supercomputers up. They call them nodes in the, in the network. They use algorithms to process as many of these code possibilities as quickly as possible. And then when they land on these codes called the hash for a block that organizes Bitcoin or any crypto potentially, uh, it releases new Bitcoin, which then enters the market. And so uh, without getting into the, you know, is it the big problem for the environment or, or is it not? You know, it's reasonable why there would be a question and a concern that it could be. These nodes require uh, significant amounts of power to run. There are operations that are set up around surfacing new Bitcoin, which, you know, it just is using a lot of power. Uh, of course, Elon Musk, we saw that, you know, he says something, he does something, it changes the market in, in ways that uh, I wouldn't say are as cut and dry as you might think when you read the news of these. You know, there's people have different opinions on how much sway he really has when he does this, or even whether this move was really about his concern for the environment at all. You know, there's lots of different opinions on that. But, you know, when you think about the logistics of it, big, huge, powerful computers, Many of them, lots of power. Anyone who's seen a server room can sort of imagine, you know, the, you know, they used to have server rooms, right? It wasn't all run by Google and Amazon and everything. But right. you know, anyone who's seen a server room and the air conditioning that goes into keeping it cool, like, you know, imagine that. It's reasonable to, to question uh, the merits and the value of, of this as an operation when you think about all the power that's going into that. So, you know, I won't, I, I couldn't get into the, you know, is it this big, huge problem? I, I think it's reasonable to wonder why, you know, what kind of concern it could be. So I think I would, I would leave it at that. Maybe Keanu knows more of the bigger implications of it than that. It's definitely an area for improvement. And I think people are paying attention. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it is an infinite, uh, area for improvement for Bitcoin. You can't improve Bitcoin. You have to create a new coin. And there are coins who are a lot more environment friendly. There are coins now that are coming up with, which are not even mining. They're called farming and it uses your 
own graphics cards so that you don't have to use a lot of energy. Uh, but let's actually go back to Bitcoin itself because that was a big topic. And again, I am on the camp that I think Elon Musk just said it because he heard it and he, he just wanted to be neutral and not get the heat because, again, majority of Bitcoin is already mined. Even if we stopped mining Bitcoin altogether, that will only add on to this value because of supply and demand. And plus, yes, we could say, okay, we're going to be environment friendly. And it actually does have impacts because of, because of all the energy, but there is no centralized power who can stop people from mining it. China is mining it using other third world countries' resources, such as Iran, and they're not going to stop no matter who says what, no matter if Elon Musk says, says okay, it's not environment friendly, they're not going to stop it. Russia is not going to stop it. And even if they do, it only adds on to its value, in my opinion. Mm. All right. Before we go, how does one invest in crypto simply? You know, I heard there's like, you need a wallet, there's uh, Coinbase, which is the app that's kind of like Robinhood, which is exclusive to cryptocurrency. Can you tell us just simply how to do it? Not to endorse this, but just out of curiosity, how do you build a position in this market? Kiana, you're the expert. You wrote, take it away. Okay. Number one, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to, I think it's going to be in five steps. So let's count. Number one, educate yourself. Like don't go and invest in any cryptocurrency just because you heard it on this podcast, because you read it in my book or in any other YouTube channel. Actually go and learn about it and see if this is something you want to back it up exactly the way you would with a stock. If you understand what they're doing, what change they're bringing to the world, if you are into healthcare, if you are into um, supply chain or even environment-friendly stuff like anonymity, all these things, see which one you want to pick. And uh, with cryptocurrency, it's actually kind of easy because you can. there are not that as many cryptocurrencies that have made it past the hype and FOMO as there are stocks. So understand them first. That's step number one. Step number two, I'm still not getting you the gist. Understand your risk tolerance and understand if you actually want to take this risk because it is speculative. It's kind of like the dot-com bubble where some of the companies made it and some didn't. So understand that there is going to be a chance, even if you really understand the, the blockchain and the cryptocurrency, there is going to be a chance it's not going to make it. And then step number three, yes, you want to go ahead and open a, uh, an account with an exchange. My favorite is Coinbase because it is easier to use and it is regulated by the SEC, which we talked about. So um, it's kind of safer than the other ones around. There are other ones such as Binance, as well as Kraken, uh, that you can go ahead and have access to more cryptocurrencies than on Coinbase. Coinbase has a limited number of cryptocurrencies. And uh, when you go on Coinbase, I also would recommend that you uh, actually log into Pro Coinbase uh, because on Coinbase.com, you're only going to be able to buy and it's a little bit limited, the things that you can do. But if you go to pro.coinbase.com, you're going to be able to actually set buy limit orders and do a little bit more cool things. So uh, that is that. And then number four, uh, yes, you have to have a wallet, but Coinbase, again, being regulated and everything, it's wallet, even though it's not a um, hard wallet, which we consider to be very secure, it is insured up to $250,000. Ah. So for anyone who is only investing below $250,000 in cryptocurrencies, 
it's easier to just leave it there because even if they go bankrupt or you get hacked or whatever, they can insure it. So for myself, I'm keeping up to $250,000 in my Coinbase and the rest of them have been transferring to my heart wallet. Now, what is a wallet? It's like a wallet, but it's, it's digital and it looks like a USB and you have to keep it in a safe place and you can just purchase it. Some of my favorite ones are um, Ledger and Trezor. Uh, Ledger is a little bit friendlier and you can just buy it, download the app, and then it gives you a code. So once you buy your uh, cryptocurrency, let's say on Coinbase, then you can click on withdraw and then transfer it to your wallet. And it actually kind of, kind of walks you through, okay, what is your wallet address? If you already have the address, the wallet, you know what your address is. So you just insert it. It takes 48 like a Dropbox. Like a draw, like a cloud system. It's it's kind of like actually wiring money from your bank account to the to account. another. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just have Got to that. put in the passcode, and it takes forty eight hours up to seventy two hours for your wallet to get whitelisted. So that is a level of security that I kind of like with Coinbase. It doesn't just let any one come and like take your money out of it, and um, then yeah, voila, right. you have your money in your wallet. <laughs> Okay. Well, before we go, thank you for that explanation, by the way. That was super, super helpful. I disclose what I'm investing in so far. Uh, what are you investing in? Generally, are you investing at all in crypto? John, are you are you intrigued? Kiana, I know you, I think you are, but tell us a little bit about your positions. I bought like enough of a few to follow and learn for myself. Yeah. You know, it, it is not a significant part of my portfolio. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm following very conservative you know, fundamental old school advice. Uh, but, you know, that said, it's easier for me to learn having a little bit of skin in the game. And so I've, I've, I've done that, you know, and um, for me, it's been primarily a, a learning yes. journey kind of, uh, kind of drive. That's smart. I, I did a video for Next Advisor kind of suggesting what you're doing, which is that, you know, if you're interested in crypto, great. It's an alternative asset. Accept it like that. It's not going to make up a majority of your net worth. It shouldn't at least. Do it for more than just to feel cool about it. Like there should be another fundamental reason for you. It's the learning aspect. You're kind of that curious person who wants to, you're getting a a lot out of that. You know, for me, I'm really interested in blockchain. So that's where I'm putting a little bit more of my money. What's your philosophy and how are you investing in it, Kiana? I started out actually kind of like you did, Farnoosh, which was I was investing in companies who had exposure to cryptocurrencies. So back in the day, I invested in Overstock.com because they were the first online retailer who accepted cryptocurrencies. And I was investing in all these companies on PayPal. And then as I learned more about it and I was doing research about it, uh, I created my investment portfolio the same way I create my uh, stocks portfolio, which is diversified based on categories. So cryptocurrencies and blockchains, they have all these different categories. We have healthcare, uh, we have anonymity, we have um, supply chain, all these different things. So when I started investing in crypto back in 2018, after the crash, I created this, it's 10% of my portfolio. Um, I think 10 to 15. Well, now... With the value of it going up and down, it kind of changed. Yes. Last month when Bitcoin was like really, really high, it actually up to close to like 20% of my portfolio and then it dropped. 
but I have about 25 crypto assets. Majority of them are the kings like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Cardano. And then the rest of them are kind of allocated equally in other categories that I feel like, okay, this is something I want to get behind. This is actually doing something good for the human humankind. And I actually did interview some of the heads of this blockchains other than Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, do I like this person or not? So yeah, think actually getting your skin in the game and interviewing people and learning more about that, the people who are in that community helps a lot. Um, and that's exactly how I, how, how I did it with exactly how I create my stocks portfolio. I consider myself a value investor. And I know Warren Buffett does not like cryptocurrency, but I actually apply his methodology of value investing to cryptocurrency investing. So see, this is why I had you both on. I find that your approach is far more research, more measured, more thoughtful, creative, exactly who I wanted to spend my time with talking about crypto. I really appreciate your time. I know both of you are on vacation too doing this. So listeners, this is a very special episode of So Money. Both of our guests on vacation, but thought so important to share this information with us. They took a time away from their families. And so thank you, Kiana and John. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode of Crypto Week, where we're going to be talking about what will adoption of crypto mean for the world? How is it impacting the world today? But what is the future where crypto becomes more ubiquitous? What will be its impact on the environment, on our economies? Also, I'll be releasing a third episode on Wednesday, how crypto may be able to help close the wealth gap. My guest is Cleve Masador, who is the founder of of National Policy Network of Women of Color in Blockchain. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope your day is so money. So money.